It's time now for the complete story with Rich Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich Bot with today's complete story. Folks, I'm so excited to have on the broadcast today two of my heroes. Uh, one of them you'll probably know about, and the other one you're going to get to know more of. And I'm talking about David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby. And he's an in-demand speaker in business and, and leadership events. He, Of course, you know him because of Hobby Lobby and the famous Supreme Court case about Hobby Lobby that was decided, thankfully, on the side of religious liberty. But he also serves on the board of reference for Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, is recipient of the World Changer and Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. He and his wife, Barbara, are proud parents of two sons, one daughter, grandparents to 10, and great-grandparents to 11. David Green, welcome to the broadcast. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. All right. I imagine you were there in Washington for the big opening of the Bible Museum. Yes, that was a very, very exciting time to be there during the opening of that museum. And what a tremendous milestone that is for the, the kingdom of God right there in our nation's capital. Also with me right here in the studio is Bill High, and Bill has been a friend of mine for many years, and he also serves on the board of directors of Bot Radio Network, but he practiced law for 12 years before becoming the CEO of the National Christian Foundation Heartland. His mission is to change the way people think about generosity and their practice of it. He is married to Brooke, and they have four children, two sons-in-law, and two grandchildren. And uh, more can be found out about Bill at BillHigh.com. Bill, welcome to The Complete Story. Well, I'm glad to be here with you, Rich. All right. So we have uh, David Green in Oklahoma, Bill High right here in the studio, and the two of you together have written this book, Giving It All Away and getting it back again. Provocative title. Uh, David, uh, who came up with that title? And tell us a little bit about uh, the, the principles that are contained in it. Yes, well, uh, collectively we, we kicked around a lot of different titles, and that was the one we thought that really uh, best spoke of what the book had to say. And basically the book is really talking about wealth, and, uh, and it talks also about wealth is more than just money, and it also, we like to talk about legacy, because I think we all need to, you, you can't start too early thinking about your legacy, and we want, really wanted to speak about uh, each one of us's legacy. Let's get started right now about our family and, and how we hand our wealth of ideas and our culture uh, down in through our family. So this was what we wanted to accomplish uh, in this book. Okay, now we're we're in the Christmas season, and it's more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, also, end of year giving is upon us. Very important time of the year for many of the ministries that uh, we broadcast here on Bot Radio Network. Uh, people are familiar with the concept of tithing, perhaps ten percent. But this book says giving it all away. What do you mean by that? Well, I think what I mean that is is uh, really trying to follow after God and and seeing ourselves of everything we own belongs to God and manage it in such a way that God owns everything, and that that may mean in our case uh, it means fifty percent we give half of our earnings uh, away, but that's not what's right for everybody. Each one of us, I think, need to be obedient of what we feel like God is talking to us, but we also need to realize that we're only stewards. 
And we tried to make that clear in the book that we shouldn't conceive, we shouldn't appear to be or perceive ourselves as to be owners because we own nothing. The Bible is very clear that God owns everything. And with that understanding, then we know that we are stewards and how should we steward what God has given us. Uh, could could you walk us through just uh, shortly here this whole um, journey that your family took that led you through the Supreme Court? I think a lot of our listeners perhaps don't understand what the issues actually were that you were standing upon uh, as it relates to your Christian faith. Well, uh, our government uh, required of us in their health care plan when it came out a few years ago that we would have to provide four contraceptives that we believe would take life. We offer our employees 16 different contraceptives, so it's not like we're against contraceptives. We were against four that would be after the fact, and we feel like without question that we would be taking life. And so those are the contraceptives. They said we could not do that. Only God creates life. And this would destroy a life. And so we, we decided that our family, we couldn't do that. And the government was going to charge us $1.3 million a day. Because of the number of employees we had, it would have cost us that if we did not uh, pay for these contraceptives. So we were put in a, a situation where we had this. We love our government. We had to sue our government because they were requiring something from us that we just could not do. Uh, that was the Obama administration Justice Department. And that was the Obama care mandate that was forcing you to provide abortifacients for your employees, which was in violation of your, your Christian convictions. And, and Bill, hi, tell us, you know, Hobby Lobby does an awful lot for women. Sometimes in the media they think, well, they're, they're not for women, but they really are in some very major, profound ways. So if, could you set the record straight for sure. us? Sure. On One that? of the things that we talk about in the book is Hobby Lobby has the highest minimum wage virtually of any company out there. So what is it, David? Something like 15 Yeah, $15.70 is our minimum wage for full-time employees. So even when David instituted that as a policy for Hobby Lobby, he had people coming up to him women who'd say, I can quit my second job. I, I, I can afford actually to work in just one place. I can afford air conditioning in my car. But on top of that, not only do they pay the highest minimum wage, but they also have a clinic on campus. They have counseling services. They have chaplain services, on and on and on, all these things that they do to really serve their employees. On the back of the book, it says, a life of giving is a life of adventure and risk. As you walked through this Hobby Lobby case through the Supreme Court, it was all on the line for you, wasn't it? That's correct. If we had lost our case, we don't know how long we could survive because our, our fine was, as I said earlier, $1.3 million a day. It was all based on how many employees you had that was on the insurance, and that's the way the math comes out. So we knew that we may have to give this company up, but we, we would do that before we would do something that we knew was totally uh, wrong, and, and that is taking life, and that's what the government was asking us to do. Hey, David, I think it'd be good maybe if you mentioned to Rich about the uh, uh, 10th Circuit, and the Friday you got the ruling from the 10th Circuit, and then what was going to happen that following Monday? I think that's worth drawing out. The government would require when we got our new insurance policy that those uh, those items that we did not want, these contraceptives, had to be, and it was, that was going to be on a Monday. On a Friday, the Tenth Circuit ruled uh, that uh, we got an injunction. 
So God came in just at the, at the nick of time on a Friday and Monday that the fine would have started. So uh, we, we uh, thank everybody for their prayers. I think we won this case because of all the prayers that we received from all over the country and even other, other nations. He's never early. He's never late. He's always on time, but it's always according to his time plan, isn't it? Exactly. Your your book here refers to uh, a legacy plan. Uh, there's a quotation here from you. It says, I have worked through my legacy plan more than once. Tell yeah, us it's, it's about very... the importance of a legacy plan. Well, I think that, you know, uh, for any one of us, it's whether regardless— to lack of wealth or wealth, there we, we need a, a legacy plan. The way that we raise our families and and, and 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 that we come together for our principles and for what what we believe in. Our we have it documented what our 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 mission, our vision, and our values. We know what our values. We've documented them so that we all come together. Gen one, Gen two, my kids, Gen three, my grandkids. Uh, now we've got great grandkids. This is this is what we stand for. This is what we believe, and and to train from the Bible, and that's what we try to do. If it's not in the Bible, if I tell one of my grandkids something, just forget it. But you know, the, here's what we're going to stand on. We're going to stand on God's word, and so we're trying to take God's word, document it, and this is who we are, and this is what we want to carry from generation to generation. So we meet once a month to celebrate birthdays, as many of the 35 of us that can, and once a year we have kind of a celebration because we have maybe a new son-in-law or daughter-in-law. And uh, so we we are very proactive of, of trying to come together to say this is what we believe and these are our beliefs, which is all built on, on, on the Scriptures. Tell our listeners, because we, we have this uh, perception that Hobby Lobby is this tremendously large um, operation. Uh, and how many stores do you have across the country? No, we have uh, right at 800 now. And we this next year, we've signed leases for another 68. Uh, our sales next year should be $5 billion, And so we are a very successful company that God has blessed, and we have great people. And you're the founder. I have heard that Hobby Lobby started either on your kitchen table or in the garage. Tell us about the beginnings, because it's just wonderful, and how you early on dedicated this work to the Lord. Well, in 1970, my wife and I went to the bank. We borrowed $600, and we bought a chopper to to put together little frames. And we started selling those to mom, paw, craft stores. Little picture frames. Yes, and then it was in the garage, but we would, on our kitchen table, we would actually glue them together. Our boys were seven and nine, and we paid them seven cents a piece to glue these frames together when they were seven and nine. And my wife works for the first five years. Uh, for no pay. So that's how we got started. In 1972, two years later, we opened our first store that was only 300 square feet. So that was our beginnings. Well, okay. Well, then how did it grow from there? Well, it was one brick at a time. You know, it was uh, adding a store here and a store there. And uh, here we are today with 800 stores. So, uh, uh, And we have, by the way, 10 million square feet of office and warehouse in Oklahoma City. Every store in 48 states, we're in 48 states, but every store receives their merchandise from this one location here in Oklahoma City. But you're not open every day of the week. 
You know, that was, that's one of the things that we do for our employees, and that is that we feel like that we're very, very strong on, on strong families. And if we can close at 8 o'clock at night, and if we can close on Sundays, we have more family time. And so the family is important for me and my family, so I know it should be imp- important for our employees as well. So I tell them that family needs to come before Hobby Lobby. It does in my life, and I want it to be in their life. And if they're, if they're family-oriented, they love their family, they'll take care of their job. Now, Hobby Lobby has uh, a tremendous selection of uh, picture frames and framing services as well. If you have a nice piece of artwork uh, you'd like to have a special frame for, Hobby Lobby is about the best place to go for that. But you have so much more. Uh, your, your product line has expanded tremendously. What, what kind of guides uh, you're thinking as to what's appropriate to be in a Hobby Lobby store? Well, we want things that uh, where people want to be creative. So it's arts and crafts, scrapbooking, floral, home accent items where someone wants to be uh, creative in their home with the items that are on their wall, the clocks, the art. Uh, so if it has to do with something that you want to be creative, uh, then we would like to have it. Christmas, we have tremendous uh, seasonal Christmas and fall where you want to decorate your home. That's part of being creative. So we're really a creative center where you can get your creative juices going and um, live a creative life. I was into Hobby Lobby just a few days ago, and they had a a wonderful section on uh, Christmas decorations that were already on sale. So I want to highly recommend that to anybody that wants to do that. Also, there are uh, Mardell Christian stores. Uh, That's part of your family enterprise as well, isn't it? Yes, we have 34 Christian bookstores and uh, in about five different states. And obviously we haven't grown at the same level of Hobby Lobby, but uh, we, we enjoy being in, in that business. And a lot of that, uh, those items now we're bringing into Hobby Lobby because now we can provide Christian uh, books in 800 stores in 47 states. So we're excited uh, about doing that. I saw a chapter in the book here about thirty thousand dollars, and uh, can you can you expand on that a little bit about times when God asks you to go above and beyond what you think you can do? Yeah, there was a time that I was on a plane coming back from a huge mission convention, and I know the Lord spoke to my spirit that I needed to give thirty thousand dollars. I had to come from the Lord because I sure wouldn't have come up with that number. And uh, we didn't have $30,000, but I knew for sure that the Lord was speaking to me about $30,000. So we prayed about it. I talked to my wife, and we decided that we were going to write four checks, post-date them, 7500 a month for four months. So we did that, and we mailed them in. And uh, you know what? Uh, none of them bounced. God provided. And so sometimes God asks us to do something that's beyond what we think we can do. But if he asks us to do it, well, then he'll provide. And that was a perfect example of him providing at a time when I didn't know how we could do it. Well, David, that was also a point in time where you really learned your calling as a businessman as well. And I think that's worthy of expanding on. Yes. There was a long time my five brothers and sisters went into ministry, being ministers, pastors, wife, and pastors. And I thought that I was a second-class uh, Christian, and there was something wrong with me because God didn't call me into pastoral. And it was a time that it was really important to me to say, you know what, because of the way this happened, uh, the fellow that received this money said, you know what, four minis- missionaries stayed over. We were praying for the money, and, and you post that was postmarked the same day we were praying. And I said, you know what, 
I think I'm in God's perfect will, and God can use a businessman just as he can a pastor. So I know for sure that God anoints me to do what I do. I'm anointed to be a businessman, as we all can be anointed, no matter where we are, if we just give our lives to God and try to follow Him. Uh, our guest on The Complete Story today is David Green, the president, uh, founder, rather, and CEO of uh, Hobby Lobby. And uh, he was with it in the very beginning when it started in the garage, and it's grown tremendously. And, of course, we know of the Hobby Lobby case at the U.S. Supreme Court that fortunately was decided in favor of religious liberty, together with Bill High in our studio. And the book is called Giving It All Away – and getting it back again. Bill, as you uh, worked with the, the Green family in, in helping to write the book and, and assemble the, the, the narrative here, what, what impressed you most about the Green family and their work and their philosophy? Well, they're very united behind a couple principles. One is that they want to run a great company. They want to serve their employees well. And at the same time, they view their work as ministry. And part of that ministry is, is not only, as I say, serving those the employees and the customers well, but it's the fact that they can give and support ministry work all around the world. So they're concerned about supporting things that lift up God's Word and bring people to know Christ. And that's a driving passion that I've seen throughout the family. David mentioned the 35. They all share that same mission and vision. So that makes them very unique as a family and set up well then for future generations to carry that on. You know, and this is a very important time of the year to be talking about this. We have some radio announcements on the air that remind our listeners about the strategic importance of this time of the year to support the Bible teaching ministries that you hear on BOT Radio Network. Oftentimes, the gifts that come in right around this time of the year help to sustain them through the coming year to be able to stay on the air here on the stations that they're already on and also to be able to expand their outreach to new markets, new new cities, and and indeed, in some cases around the world, a lot of the broadcasters that we have actually are international and spreading the gospel around the world. And we are praying for a great awakening-style revival. And uh, we're very excited about that because we know that every major revival is preceded by a movement of prayer. So uh, we're encouraging everybody everywhere to pray that God would send revival. And when I see movements of prayer, uh, like the National Day of Prayer and, and others all around, uh, it gives me a hope and an encouragement that God is going to send revival. And followed by prayer is the bold proclamation of the Word of God. So we want to be all over that. And so thank you, uh, David Green, uh, for your example. Now, this says giving it all away and then getting it back again. What does that mean? You know, what it means for me is what I want to get back is a family that serves God. And so I think as we are generous with our hearts and our giving of ourselves, as well as everything God has given us, uh, our talents and our finance and our time, I think when we give that away and we see ourselves as, as someone that wants to give ourselves, I think we get it back in such a way the greatest rewards, you know, when I check out is going to be the fact that I have a legacy of a family that's serving the Lord. My greatest success, I tell people, is is not that we built a company that's going to have a bit five billion sales, but it's a, it's the fact that my children are serving the Lord. That is my greatest success, and that's what I'm getting back is by my giving and and and, and 
setting an example, trying to. I, I blow it more often than I should, but trying to set an example to my children that they'll follow the examples of serving the Lord. Uh, that's all that I would want back, and that's all anybody would want back in, at their last days. Mm. So the book, Giving It All Away and Getting It Back Again, The Way of Living Generously, it's a Zondervan book, and I imagine it's available at Mardell Christian stores and uh, other Christian retailers, uh, probably also at Hobby Lobby. It's and, at Hobby Lobby, you got it. And and all over. Be sure to get it. And uh, uh, Bill, hi, I want to ask you now, your work with the National Christian Foundation, tell us about that and how you help uh, individuals to uh, plan their legacy and help them in their giving? Well, National Christian Foundation is actually the eighth largest charity in the country. Not a lot of people know that, but we're like a big bank. It's just that we're charitable. People come in and open up accounts inside of us, put money in, take a tax deduction, and then use it to support the ministries that they want to. So we work all across the country. It's easy. It's simple. It's the fastest growing form of giving in the country. But I think the byline to the book really sums it up, the way of living generously. We really create a mechanism so people can live generously. It's a counterintuitive idea. The more generous you are, the more joyful you'll be. And that's part of that idea of getting it all back again. I've never seen an unhappy, generous person. Have you, Rich? No, and I heard someone explain this. uh, the opposite of generosity is is miserliness, and uh, miser has the same root word as misery. And if you are a miser with your wealth and what God has given to you, you're going to be miserable. That's right. So I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. If people want more information about the National Christian Foundation to get in touch with you to, to have uh, some kind of a legacy plan. How can they do that? They can go to ncfgiving.com, ncfgiving.com, and the whole idea there of the legacy plan is really the idea of the multiple generation legacy. We want people to think about their families as enduring and as lasting for eternal impact. All right, now let's switch gears here for just a minute. In our time remaining, I want to celebrate the Museum of the Bible. That is a wonderful legacy in itself. Uh, David, tell us about how the Museum of the Bible came about, and you just, uh, within the last couple of weeks, uh, opened it to the public in Washington, D.C. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think the first uh, antiquity we bought was in uh, 2010 with no intention of opening up a uh, museum. But uh, God had different plans for us. We were thinking that, oh, we can buy some of these antiquities that came available that we wanted to make sure that was in safe hands and for the future. And we thought, well, we would love to contribute these at some point to someone that's going to put a a Bible museum together, but the further we got into this thing, we found that we just sensed that that was what we were supposed to do. So um, we spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C. We did surveys in in New York, Dallas, and Washington, D.C. to see where it would be attended, what was the highest attendance, and by far Washington, D.C. was the number and the place that we were supposed to put this. And so my son, uh, um, Stephen, who... uh, is the is the president of Hobby Lobby? Uh, I'm the CEO. Uh, has spent most of his time, probably 75 to 80 percent of his time, on this project. Um, and so uh, it it was birthed out of just beginning to buy one or two uh, antiquities. 
uh, and we just feel like God led us. This is what we were supposed to do. So we're really excited. It's 430,000 square feet, has a theater in it, a banquet hall that was served four or 500 restaurant. Um, so we're excited. Uh, the opening has been tremendous. Last Saturday, there was a photo that my son sent me that we had people lined up for a block trying to get in. So uh, we feel like it's going to be a very, very successful um, museum. Now, before the museum opened, there was a a traveling display that appeared in various cities. Uh, Tell us about that. We did that for two or three years. We, In fact, we were in the Vatican twice. We've been into Cuba twice and other other countries. uh, But through the United States, there was several several um, cities that we were in uh, and just traveling, just kind of uh, advertising the coming uh, museum is, is, is the purpose. Plus, we wanted uh, really to showcase uh, God's Word. So our family mm-hmm. says there's only two things that's eternal, and that's God's Word and man's soul. So if you checked on Hobby Lobby and found out where our giving would be given, it would be given almost all of it to one of those two things, man's soul, God's Word. So we love God's Word, and we feel like that it ought to be put on a, a pedestal. If there were only one museum in the entire world, it ought to be the Bible, because that's the only one item, physical, that is, it's been forever and will be forever. Now, when I think of a museum, I, I, I think of um, maybe uh, dusty old artifacts and maybe some ancient manuscripts and and uh, kind of dark. <laughs> but this is uh, really a, a, an incredible high-tech exhibit that not only shows some of the ancient artifacts like you're talking about, but it also tells the narrative of the Bible so that, so that the Bible comes to life in people's understanding. And I think that's so important. And some of the high-tech exhibits that you have are just uh, state-of-the-art. No, it is definitely a state-of-the-art museum. And one of my favorite, if not my, my, my second son, works almost full-time getting God's Word into every language. There's about 6,000 languages, and there's this large display, and there's about 2,000 Bibles there that we have language for those people. There's another 2,000 that we're starting on, and they're like in an orange box. It'll have the name of that language that being worked on. Then there's another 2,000 that we haven't even started, and they're in yellow boxes. So this big, big display shows you how that by the year 2033, because of technology, the hope is and to bring everybody God's Word in their heart language. There's ten different major Bible associations that have come together. They had a big dedication of this particular area, and there was ten CEOs of the American Bible Society, Wycliffe, Seed, on and on. And so there is a unified effort to see that everybody has God's Word in their heart language. And is, that's, that's one of my favorite displays in the, in the museum. And another wonderful aspect of this is that this has been supported by thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the country and around the world. Isn't, isn't that true? Bill, hi, you just uh, gave me a number. How many thousands of people have supported? We've had over 51,000 people make contributions to support the museum. Well, the Green Family 
family certainly has been a lead donor in it. This couldn't be pulled off without the help of people all around the country. So it's been an amazing outpouring of people continuing to contribute. And part of it is what you just referenced, Rich, is that this is not your father's museum. Mm-hmm. It's got even got a flyover ride where you fly over all of Washington, D.C., kind of virtual reality, and you get to see places where scriptures inscribed. They've got the New Testament theater. And a wait, lot wait, wait, wait. You mean scriptures inscribed in Washington, D.C.? All over the place. <laughs> it is, yeah. isn't it? So it's amazing. And, and so, I mean, I think anybody who's planning a trip to Washington, D.C. or be intentional about going there, this is going to be one of the places that you want to go visit. All right. Uh, David Green, I think we just have a couple of more minutes, but tell us again about this book, Giving It All Away and Getting It Back Again, The Way of Living Generously. This is this has been your life, but but quickly tell us how you came to know Jesus as your Savior. You know, I came from a pastor's home, and I'm so proud of my heritage. My dad and mother pastored churches uh, with six children. By the way, they never pastored a church more than 100, but we just saw how they gave and how they tithe and how God blessed their tithing, how that we never, we always ate, we always had clothing, we always had the things that we needed. And, and it, I accepted Christ when I was seven years old mm. uh, in a pastor's home. So I have a tremendous heritage of parents that really love the Lord and love to give. As little as they made, it was incredible how much, what percent that they gave of their income. And I saw God bless them in different ways. Mm-hmm. God's blessings is not, the least of his blessings is dollar and cents, but it's children that serve God, it's health, it's uh, good marriages, it's uh, good um, mates for your ch- grandchildren. All of those things are the the things that I want from God that I think are more important than just uh, dollars and cents. Amen. David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby, and Bill High, the uh, CEO of the National Christian Foundation Heartland. Thank you both for being with us on The Complete Story. The book is called Giving It All Away and Getting It Back Again, The Way of Living Generously by Zondervan, uh, written by David Green with Bill High. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. 